Radio WDPR 96.3, your favorite trans-dimensional radio station. Something strange is going on out there. I got callers phoning in, telling me the dead are rising out of their graves. The question now isn't, how do we get them back in? The question is, why the hell are you calling me here on Doom Patrol Radio? Welcome back, nobodies, to your favorite Doom Patrol radio podcast, this side of the painting. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we're talking about Undead Patrol. Today on this... (laughs) Spooky noises. Those are the spooky noises. Not ghost noises. We need zombie noises. Um, This, uh, we... (laughs) You're going to make it a... No, I don't want to do... No, because, like, doing zombie noises over an audio medium, I don't think that... Yeah, the ASMR would be god awful. Oh my god, it'd be There's... very cacophonous, as they would say. And you know that there is an ASMR zombie, you know, whole section of it on Twitch. Just someone eating cold chicken Speak... on a microphone. Oh, <laughs> Speak zombie to me, baby. Who's eating cold chicken <laughs> hey, on a whoa, microphone right besides uh, Rick Flair? Rick Flair. Rick, Rick Flag. Rick Flair. Not Rick Flair. <laughs> <laughs> Not Rick Flair. Rick Flag. Rick Flair's a wrestler, right? Yeah, something like that. So, anyways, today on Undead Patrol, we're going to be talking about the fourth episode of season three, and it's uh, how best to, to start with this one, Nate. This one is going to be a wild adventure. This one was directed by Kristen Wendell, who is um, known for also directing Space Patrol, which is a beautiful episode from season two. And so Kristen Window is returning to the Doom Patrol family to direct Undead Patrol. And it's also slated that she is directing next week's episode, the fifth episode of season three. So much like Christopher Manley directed episodes two and three back to back, Kristen Window is directing four and five back to back. So my guess is that where we leave off with this episode, um, our guest character played by Michelle Gomez is going to, you know, go right into the next episode. So I'm curious to see what happens in that next one. But the writer for today's episode, Tamara Becher, uh, Becker Wilkinson, I always say either Becher or Becker Wilkinson. I'm not sure how to pronounce it correctly. But, I mean, Tamara is known for writing so many episodes of Doom Patrol and writing so many of the crazier episodes. So this one is not far from the tree at all this episode is crazy it's wild and it has in my opinion a lot of the good stuff that i expect from a good fall tv show um now that season three is releasing in the fall like it just hits the right notes of what i wanted to see now what are some things that you expect in a good fall tv show mark let's run the list give me listen your be- give me your top three expectations out of fall tv programming number I one want, family I want values sp- yeah. number two <laughs> you're looking for the hallmark fall tv season <clears throat> i expect like the the spookiness the the okay. halloween vibes that's what i'm looking i get for. what you mean you you and want I, you want everything to take place in autumn yeah exactly that's that's the vibe and i said it 
in the first episode of season three, but if I feel the classic movie monster tropes or, or, or roots, I feel them more in this show and with Doom Patrol more than I ever have before. I talked a lot about Negative Man resembling the Invisible Man. Of course, you said Karloff's mummy as well. Um, but, you know, Robot Man and Rita Farr being this kind of blob creature and um, Crazy Jane as our resident goth girl at the manor. So, goth person. And it's uh, it's it just has those vibes, you know. And so, to have zombies in today's episode and everything that happened with the Dead Boy Detectives, it just... It's hitting those Halloween notes for me, and I really do enjoy it. I want to give a huge shout-out to Clint Manziel, who does the music for the show, because we talk about it a lot, about how the music is fantastic. And this episode, it really does have that vintage horror vibe to it, that silver screen zombie kind of sounds and, and twangs to the music. That's a, That was probably what really sold today's episode for me was just hearing how in the roots of a zombie uh, trope uh, today's episode was. But Nate, what did you think about Undead Patrol? Um, I felt that it was very fitting that, um, you know, this this episode obviously came out a little bit. Uh, this episode came out on a, in, in our time, it was on a Friday, right? Uh, this past Friday, correct? Came out on a Thursday. Okay. Oh. Okay. Well, even so. Oh, now that changes things. Um, <laughs> not really, because the still the time period is still, or the time frame is still um, justified. Beginning of October, like you were saying, it's mm. uh, you know yeah. you were saying fall TV. Whenever I think of fall TV, I um, I don't know why I I don't think about Halloween or spooky stuff. I don't know. Maybe because I. Maybe because I'm not a fall TV watcher and I'm a spring TV watcher, um, but that doesn't make any sense because a lot of like good TV happened in the fall, right? Yeah, because summer it was, yeah, because things ended and then they came back in September. Okay. Yeah. Like school. Like school. So I don't really know. We're talking about thing... things that are scary. Honestly, talk about school. Yeah, we're talking about the education system. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um. Fall TV, in my mind, when I think of it, and it's so weird because it's just burned into my brain like this, is really just 24. <laughs> oh, that's what you're thinking. You're thinking yeah, like the new I, fall lineup of, of TV shows. Yeah, but it's really just from like 2003, just mm-hmm. because I watched 24 with my with my mother, and you know, that was pretty much like cable that I would watch yeah. on a specific night. And it formed uh, the basis for Americans having Islamophobia, which is a huge thing that 100%, we have to deal 100%. with now. 100%. Terrible series so th- to, to justify any, any means of, of personalities or, or people. It's a, it's a, it was a horrid time. It's a, the, the TV show did not age well. But uh, anyway, I enjoyed this episode because it was kind of getting me into the spooky season feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an avid... Uh, person that would that would kind of hold off on watching all the the scary stuff all the horror stuff until october um because i try to get into that mindset yeah um i'm not really one to watch horror movies or anything out of season um i mean i guess the same way for like christmas movies too i'm not watching a christmas movie 
in July, you got to be out of your mind, you know? <laughs> That's the best time to watch them. I can't yes. even tell you, like, a Christmas movie that would happen. Uh, uh, Prometheus. I'd probably watch Prometheus in July. Uh, but that's besides the point. Um, I felt great seeing some zombies, seeing some spookiness. Um, very cool. Very great physical acting. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a good adventure. A good a good sci-fi horror adventure, you know? Um, yeah. Taken in from the words of uh, the little blip after the show, it's, it's good to to be in in this weird universe and to pretty much just dive so deep into the weirdness of it all. Yeah, it's it's crazy to see all the th- all the things that they've established within two seasons and to take what's already there and to start messing around with it and to bring back characters like Darren Jones from Nowhere or the Bureau of Normalcy, however you want to reference um, the character's origin. Bringing a character back like that was something I didn't expect. And it kind of hit me like, oh, yeah, I guess they can still pull from threads that I thought were closed off uh, and still have fun with it. So it was really interesting to see that character come back, how the character was used to create such a wild action scene. You know, we've talked a lot about how Doom Patrol isn't really a superhero team, so you're never really expecting a big action scene against supervillains or anything like that. But they do not hesitate to show some literal ass-kicking where they fight the butts again from, uh, I think it was Cyborg Patrol. Uh, and so it, it, it was one of those things where it's just so bonkers that you just have to applaud how effortlessly it looks as a final product and how the cast and characters are just giving over-the-top performances on how to be zombies how to deal with zombies how to uh you know adapt the willoughby kipling that grant morrison created which is just a wilder version of constantine so things like using the air freshener from James Dean's car. It's just things like that where it's like, oh yeah, this is Willoughby Kipling and this is how weird this character can be. And then also we're going to have the cast of characters portray zombies and then use the script to subtitle under that. It's like there's so many layers to today's episode that is just weird, stacked on top of weird, stacked on top of weird. And it just, it is just bonkers. And it's, it's probably the funniest episode that they've released so far in the season and it's it's just it's just incredible I, I think my favorite part absolutely would have to have been just the performances by you know our 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 main cast acting as zombies and and then the, and then the post-production team just putting the subtitles underneath it that to me was just it just had me smiling the entire episode going like, okay, this is, this is really just some of the best writing ever that I've seen in, in, uh, in how you can portray zombies. It was a really great time, but yeah. What was, uh, what was your favorite part of today's episode? Um, hard to choose. I'm trying to think, um, Hmm. Highlights of it were definitely the, um, 
the the physical acting from the cast um seeing them portray zombies is always uh just just fu- seeing anybody portray a zombie is always fun just because you know there's so many different versions of zombies and depending on what you do uh you know it it it, it could all be personal it could all be just different it's just uh, a def- a different way of expressing creativity through you know these horror characters um so seeing every actor's like different rendition of how they would do a zombie was really cool yeah um you know as opposed to just like seeing hordes of just people in in ungodly amounts of makeup and and you know walking dead i guess i would say just just that kind of thing where it's just like quick shots of of crazy makeup hordes of of just you know mindless where this one has just so much jaw gaping things yeah. yeah and it's like okay this one has right, very sling mindful zombie play. yeah like yeah and it's good it's good to to actually see that the characters are still the characters they just got zombified and, yeah um, but so was the uh did the zombification that is a result from the spider lady's venom right yeah that's okay that's, there's there's a lot to talk about like lore wise in today's episode that's okay. another thing where like how bonkers this, the episode is and then there's also like as far as continuity of what's going on in the story from from today's episode and and what's going on with the rest of the series and then also some emotional bits that we'll get into in the later part but where we picked up from the you know the last episode dead patrol the night nurse spider lady vomited on them and i i guess i should have seen that coming but i guess now it makes sense um but yeah the the vomit from that spider woman caused them to rot, rot from the inside out and become zombies. Um, I guess that that's my inference. I'm, I'm sure we're right. I'm sure we're correct in that assumption. I think that's what they intended, um, but I didn't see it coming. And so it wasn't until you and I talked about, like, oh, yeah, it's called Undead Patrol. And then we put the pieces together about, like, how the lady puked on them. And then later on, Robot Man was telling will it be Kipling as a zombie? It was like, you know, this spider lady puked all over us and we had these two boys like resurrect us from the dead and stuff like that. So it, it's just, it's just, just a wild episode trying to explain it to someone else of what's going on. Um, and then on top of that, we have Michelle Gomez, who's in the, in this episode now as like a special guest character fully, you know, being realized as a character so you have, you know, Laura DeMille's character, which is Madame Rouge. We've talked about this a lot. Um, I knew going in, like, of her background already, obviously, if, you, if you're familiar with Doom Patrol, you know who Madame Rouge is. So when she's playing Amnesia, at first I was like, this is probably an act. She probably actually knows who she is. And she's just playing dumb until she gets to Niles Calder and she can avoid the Doom Patrol in certain ways. And mo- more importantly, probably avoid Rita Farr. Um, but it's not until she starts to watch the sisterhood of Dada tapes is where she starts to actually remember who she is. And so that caught me by surprise, especially when, you know, it shows the sisterhood of Dada and it shows, uh, Shelly Byron as, um, played by Win Everett. She's the woman in the videotape that she's watching. And then it says that the cat is played by, Laura DeMille and then that struck me as like oh yeah that's that must be her she must be the cat because I know her name as Laura DeMille and 
I started to question it because like there was no reaction to that at first and I wasn't sure if I was just flat out wrong. And then later on it did transform her to her actual human self and then I was like, Okay, yeah, it is her. That is Laura DeMille. That is Madame Rouge as that cat or that bird or whatever, what have you. And so then she knows that that is her now. So which means, I guess that implies that she was once part of the sisterhood of Dada. So I started to think, okay, I had to do some research to find out who Shelley Byron is. And then I realized that in Graham Morrison's run, Shelley Byron is actually Byron Shelley. So this is actually a really cool thing that they did in adapting the character known as the Fog, where they were just like, okay, we're just going to gender bend the character, and all we have to do is flip the name around from Byron Shelley to Shelley Byron. So that was really cool and interesting to see that. And then I did a little bit more research on Byron Shelley because I saw a thumbnail of an actual actor in a TV show. And then I realized that the character Byron Shelley was also adapted into the Superboy TV show, which came out a long time ago in the late 90s. And in that Superboy TV series, um, actually it's in the early 90s, not late 90s, um, Byron Shelley is, I guess, technically still the Fog, but he plays a vampire. Like, Whereas the Fog in Grant Morrison's Brotherhood of Dada and probably in this show, the fog is a cloud that can absorb people in and steal their personalities and their subconscious, and they all get mixed in, and it can really mess with people's minds. So it's almost kind of like a cloudy cloudy mindset, you know, like my brain is a fog right now. It's kind of like of that mentality. Uh, a lot of brain puns here today. Um, so... Instead, in the Superboy TV show, the Fog is actually a vampire, and he's actually the son of Dracula or something like that. So that was weird. And I don't know why they adapted the character into that show. But in this one, they genderbend it. It's now Shelley Byron, probably still the Fog, although I'm, maybe that might have to do with why Madame Rouge cannot remember who she is. Maybe that's information being withheld by Shelley. So we'll have to see what's going on with that character as well. But they're starting to introduce the Sisterhood of Dada, which is really interesting. And, and um, it's something that I've been wanting to see for a while. You and I have talked about it. It's, uh, it's a cast of characters from the Grant Morrison run that happens right after Crawling from the Wreckage. It's the whole initial Mr. Nobody arc where he introduces the Brotherhood of Dada. And so we're going to see some cool characters like the Fog and the Quiz and sleepwalk which is one of my favorite ones just conceptually as a character so um it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that character as well um let me kick it over to you nate was there um what else was it about today's episode that you really thought was interesting just as a continuity thing um i kind of want to ask you about negative man but i have no idea what's going on with that character so I'm not sure if you have any insight. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. I'm not sure if my insight is is anything of nature, but it seems like there's, um, I don't want to say pregnancy, but maybe there's tendencies of what I saw as, what the hell? I don't know. Like another Pick, uh, living organism or another something? Another living organism in you that's that's feeding off of you or whatever and it's making you throw up or whatever seems like a, 
little nod to pregnancy or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty wild. That's really cool to to tell or to 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 find out that I'm really excited to see what's going on with Negative Man and Larry Trainer. Um, maybe he's I don't know creating his own negative spirit. I don't, dude. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't know. look like he. He mentioned he's dying, but I don't think he's. That dying was because everybody else undead. was dying. Exactly yeah. right. And yeah. so now that he's still vomiting, and then he has like what I consider just like a cyst, right? Like he's got, yeah. but but it's also got to be like some. He's got to be host to some sort of parasite now because mm, astronaut's wife type deal. <laughs> There's some sort of symbiote on him. Mm, astronaut's wife type deal. Yeah, so something's yeah. going on here. Um, anyway, um, I wonder if the uh, the nod to um. Shelly Byron or even Byron Shelley um is is to the uh, to the poets um who is it you know so Byron and and Percy Percy Beach there is another thing that I wanted to reference and I'm glad you brought that up because I almost skimmed right by it is it but the cloud no well it's 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 the video itself it's the old videotape and then the and the dance choreography that Michelle Gomez does to the videotape that has Laura DeMille and Shelley Byron, that videotape, that that old style of black and white uh, movies, basically, is, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I'm I'm confident in this assumption, is a reference to Maya Darren, the surrealist artist who did all those surrealist works that influenced Grant Morrison when he wrote Doom Patrol. And if we're if we're working with the sisterhood of Dada and we're pulling from Grant Morrison and Grant Morrison pulled from Meyer Darren, this could be an homage to Meyer Darren's work when she made all those uh, experimental films um, during the, the the early '40s. And I'm very familiar with Meshes of the Afternoon, but there's another one I think that might be a little bit more on the nose, which is a study in choreography for the camera which is, it, 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 I, I think it's exactly what this one is based off of. And so um, after she did Meshes of the Afternoon, um, she did kind of like the human body in motion. And what she would do is she would have dancers do uh, contemporary dancing um, in, in a way that the characters were silhouettes against the sunlight and so it would just capture like the silhouettes of the body moving in front of the camera. And this is the the early '40s, so this is this is very experimental at the time. So it's showing negative space, but it's also showing how people move in motion of the camera. So um, I think that's where this comes from, and I think that's where, um, like that's what's going on here with the Sisterhood of Dada, which is mm. a great, it's a great reference. I, I absolutely love it. I you know this is something when people read grant morrison's doom patrol and they're trying to understand like where he's coming from all this surrealism all this dadaism like it's found in in the roots of something like this so um but i couldn't tell you about if byron shelley like you're you're saying the name itself might be references to poets in actual literature Mm -hmm. i mean i'm sure grant morrison probably probably did he probably just took names and uh what is it like dada speech where you just kind of cut names and and put them together so absolutely yeah there was also um 
I don't know if there was any reference to the fog and, and the cloud poem and, you know, metamorphosis and all of that nonsense. But there was also a 1919 black and white silent film that was made um, that was just landscapes and clouds with just the words of the poem on it. Um, I know that was really just like whenever those those na- those uh, Byron and Shelley, if they're together, it kind of seems like you're referencing the poets there was mm-hmm. there was a there was a there was a relationship between the two right am i not mistaken or did they live at completely different times i don't remember um but both gothic romantic poets and uh gothic romantic poets and that whole idea of just you know accepting death and and the weirdness and the the strange and and uh What's the thing from Beetlejuice? The strange and unusual. Yeah, um, I think that kind of falls into just like you know, gothic and and romance novels and and literature and whatnot. But anyway, that was really just the only thing that I was grabbing at. Again, yeah, yeah, you grabbing you might at be, straws. <laughs> you might be right. Um, I I never really looked into it, but yeah, it says that um, uh, Piercy Shelley, the the poet, um, admired. Uh, let me find person's full name, but but. Before we get into that, um, get, Percy you don't Shelley have to get into poetry talk. No, no, no. I mean, we're, this is we're talking about Dada. We're talking about surrealism. We're talking about art here, and this is all yeah. what influences Doom Patrol. So it's it's good to like bring people up to speed about what we're talking about. And so then, and I maybe I don't know. Maybe we're skipping ahead of it because we're mentioned. We're talking about the fog, which is a character that comes later in this series. But Percy Shelley, being one of these uh, early Romantic period poets, uh, is famous for. Uh, well, first of all, married Mary Shelley, who who created Frankenstein. So that's a big one, first of all. Like, let's talk about that first. Um, but on top of that, it's also known for works like Ozymandias. And, you know, uh, so I, I think you're on to something for sure. I think we're definitely, uh, when it comes to the names of these characters in the Sisterhood of Dada, uh, Percy Shelley, you might actually be right about that. Absolutely. Um he also drew inspiration from Karl Marx and, and, and Mahatma Gandhi and all that stuff. So um, it would be interesting to look looking forward into that and seeing like, okay, those are actually references. So good catch on that one. Um, but let's let's skip ahead. Let's go back to the action that we're talking about here. Um, there is something else that happens in this episode, which is um, Cliff and Jane starting to actually try to find some closure in themselves. Uh, I believe, you know, Rita and Negative Man, they're dealing with their things on their end, um, and it's a little bit more immediate. But Cliff Steele and Crazy Jane, they have decided that they want to start the healing process and find some closure in their life. Cliff Steele does it a little bit more directly. He tries to go and do the... uh, uh, what is it like the doctor FaceTime thing that people have nowadays where they can talk directly to a doctor and he tries to do that. Um, he also, I think it's scammed into buying free prescription pills or something. I have no idea, but it seems like something, it seems uh, like a venture brothers thing, doesn't it? Like to get, it scammed. just so happened. Yeah. It just so happened that a pop-up co- comes up and like someone that's just like waiting in like their basement or whatever, like finally like at their computer, clicking away and then a little notification comes up like thing you got an order it's like oh someone fell for it all right let's like go in and it's some weird you know brain doctor or something like that hey maybe it's like maybe it's the brain like trying to be (laughs) 
a doctor yeah. or something like that. Like moonlighting is just like an actual WebMD doctor. That's just like, all right, whatever. Or that's just, you know, it's a trap to get uh, people to experiment on. Obviously, if it's a brain thing and it's like, hey, we need like just guinea pigs to test on this thing. And you got Mawa behind the keyboard. Like, all right, let's just get random people like Craigslist. This this be let's make mm-hmm. some let's make some weird uh, Internet ads. People will click on it. Yeah, there's a there's a strange what happens with with Robot Man. It's like good for you for wanting to take the next step to heal yourself, but I'm just afraid for him that like he's falling into something that's going to be a crazy adventure for Doom Patrol because of him clicking away on the keyboard and not really paying attention to what he's doing. Yeah, and then and then with Crazy Jane, this was something. You know, I, I, I oversaw it. I didn't actually take the time to really consider it because there was a lot going on, especially with Dorothy and Niles Calder. I was more concerned about their closure, and I was more concerned about Rita Farr being the first uh, member of the Doom Patrol Manor and also the one that he thinks is viable to leading the team. So um, with Crazy Jane, I kind of forgot that in season one, there was a big, there's a huge kind of father-daughter thing going on with all the characters. I mean, Robot Man and Clara and Robot Man and Crazy Jane and Crazy Jane and Niles Calder. All these things where they have these really traumatic relationships between a parental figure and a daughter. And so the way that this episode kind of concludes that with Crazy Jane and Niles Calder is done in the best way that I think serves Crazy Jane, the character, and how she has this kind of, um, how she has this kind of like uh, cynic, cynic mindset for for the closure when Niles called her, especially with the line "Eat me," where she hates Niles called her, but she, and I, I don't want to use love i don't want to use the l word but it's 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 there's something else there where she feels a bit of sadness that he's actually truly gone and that she misses that person especially now that all the doom patrol feel lost and they feel like what they're born to do they don't really know if they want to do it and if they don't do it they feel guilty for not doing it it's just such a strange cycle that they're stuck in so she's angry at him she's sad about him being gone but she loves him but she hates him and it's like all these things that happens with crazy jane in this episode that it's it's one of the one of the best things that that we kind of get out of today's episode is that there's still some heart in today's episode yeah truly there's some bonker stuff going on but mm-hmm. like at the end of the day the stuff that happens with crazy jane is is um some really nice closure i don't think we're done yeah with i was it. just about to say i don't think they're done i really yeah. don't i didn't get a a solid goodbye i mean we got the physical goodbye and you know we're no strangers to the to the weirdness that could happen hell we've seen people die and come back to life before so yeah so i i have no idea what's what's gonna happen but i do like how the episode ended with crazy jane and and throughout the episode what's going on with um between her and niles and and everything else that these characters are trying to actually get through with their life. Um, what did you think about 
Victor Stone and Silas Stone? Because I know we talked a lot about Eleanor Stone uh, on the last episode, but what did you think about this one with Silas Stone? Silas Stone is always going to have the the idea, and I'm never going to waver from this, he's always going to have the idea of the parental figure of, I brought you into this world, I can take you out, and it's always going to be that uh, very hardcore parental guidance uh, crutch, I guess. It's just, there needs to be a, uh, no, let me, I'm not even going to say that. Um, I was going to say there needs to be like a level of respect between the two of them, but no, I don't feel that there does need to be a level of respect between the two of them. Silas needs to realize what he did and he needs to own up to it. And yes, Victor is a piece of Star Labs hardware in Silas's eyes. And um, that just needs to be like talked about. Um I think Silas needs to accept that or needs to just, like, acknowledge that, yes, that is ultimately the end goal. Like, yeah, for the longest time right now, it's just been, like, figure out yourself and, like, do your 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 cyborg thing. And, you know, you are still your own person and, and figure it out. But at the end of the day, I have the off switch, you know? And that's – it just needs to be talked about. I still do not like Silas Stone. Um, <laughs> the guy didn't need the guy was, he pretty much told him like, Hey, you got to talk to your mother in the afterlife. One, not even acknowledging that there is an afterlife Two, not even acknowledging that you got to have like some final words to your dead mother. And like, that's not even, it's just like, all right, whatever kid, like we're still having an argument. Like you're still, it's, it, Silas even said like, it's, it's my, I lo- I'm lo- lost my job because of you. It's like, dude. You are not the focus here. You haven't been the focus here since your son almost died and you were selfish enough to try to save him. The focus on whatever the shit you're doing ended. Your career should have ended. Your entirety of you should have ended. Dr. Frickin' Frankenstein style. Because now the focus is shifting on this creation that you decided to, you know, go and do with, with free will. Not even realizing that you're giving this creation free will. Like, you are the monster here, my guy. And it's just that symptom of, of righteousness, self-righteousness, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Silas, yeah, is, yeah. Silas needs, to, needs to own up to what Victor's saying. He needs to listen to him. He needs to work with him, I guess. They need to figure some out. They really do. I think it's a... There, I'm hoping in some weird way that we get a scene where Silas and Eleanor can maybe talk to each other because they represent the different halves of Cyborg where in the last episode, Eleanor really saw that the the Victor Stone was still alive. And that's the best part about him right now is that that still continues to survive and, and live on. And it's not diminished by what he has become, which is Cyborg. Whereas Silas Stone doesn't really care about that. He just sees that he brought into this world a son that could be a better version of him. And then he thinks he's done it again when he made him Cyborg. And so he sees that he's done it twice now. And so that's what he's caring about. It's not the compassionate and... and um, 
the heroic quality of Victor Stone, but the heroic quality of what Cyborg is and what the son of Silas Stone is. So he doesn't really see that part, which Eleanor sees. So that she sees a different half, and Silas Stone sees a more um, uh, uh, left brain version of it, if you will, and which is you know pretty obvious when you look at the character. So it's um, it's strange because. He says in the episode, he says, Victor, you're, you're not taking any responsibility for this. And so he's scolding Victor Stone as if, like, you're not being the best that you can be right now. And that's your fault, not mine. And Victor thinks he is being the best of who he is because he's being compassionate towards who what is technically a villain, which is Ronnie Evers, even though it's the love of his life as well. So Silas is thinking, like, no, you were born into this world to be a better person. And that idea is being a hero. And then now I had a second chance to bring you back to life. And I'm also doing the same thing because I do still think that this is the best path for you. This is how you become a good person by being cyborg, a hero. And it just so happens that you look the way you do. And so it's very, it's very conflicting of people who both think they're seeing the, the, the best situation for a person and it's like not the same ideal so it's very very conflicting i don't agree with silas stone i i think i'm on the same page with you we always talk about it kind of a terrible person you're not exactly as cruel and grotesque as niles calder but idealistically you have some pretty fucked up uh pathways chosen for your kin so it's it's kind of one of those things I think Victor is trying to take responsibility for the Ronnie stuff. I, I mean, think so too. That's what he's trying to, he's trying to like keep, keep track and trying to like be like, Hey, I got to like still be involved. Like that's my, I got to clean it up. Like I, I, I did the thing. Now I got to, I'm responsible for it. Wookie life debt. Yeah. Style, that's you the, know? that's the right thing to do. He sees it as the right thing to do. So how could he not be taking responsibility because he's not putting a bad guy behind bars. Cause he's not acting so, you know, by the book, Dick Tracy. Like, yeah, like this isn't this isn't twenty four. This isn't twenty four, people. This isn't Jack Bauer. Chloe is not on the other end of that line. You do not have twenty four hours to get your stuff done because, hey, realistically, the things don't work like that. You got yeah. you got time. What if the bank's closed? Can't get money. Can't go any. Can't call a cab. You're stuck in the middle of D.C. The president's, like, getting kidnapped or something. What are you going to do? <laughs> you're, you're shit out of luck. Anyway, um, yeah, the Victor stuff is is pretty pretty awesome, I will say. It's yeah. so cool to have more cyborg in our lives. Um, I mean, I know we, we've been discussing the, the Zack Snyder version, um, Ray Fisher cyborg for, you know, what feels like, so long but it's just been intense discussions um that it's good to just have more of it it's like a continuation it's it it's, it gives me more backbone to the character so i'm pretty excited about it yeah i think the cyborg stuff is working out a lot better here than it probably would have in the teen titan show i know the teen titan show is, is actually picking up a lot more momentum now mm-hmm. in it's in what they have but they have a lot 
of teenagers. They have a lot of them. That's, they got a lot of characters. They, they have got a lot, lot of, and a lot of characters have problems. And someone like Cyborg would get lost in that mix. Yeah, it really would. On it, it really would. Um, I'm and even probably, now like I didn't even get to keep up with it because it was too, it was too hectic for me at a time. I couldn't keep up with the Titans. Now that it's uh, you know, found a home pretty sure i'll be able to catch up with it but but yeah it's i'm i'm glad that that this is the medium that we get more cyborg and like we've been saying for however long he's perfect for doom patrol yeah and i think you know we have beast boy who is a doom patrol character in that show and so beast boy is actually in season three now for them they're he's he's starting to evolve as a, a character as beast boy in the story so he's going through his his whole origin ordeal of becoming more of beast boy instead of just a boy who found out he can transform into a tiger. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was the problem with, with cyborg is if he was part of the show, we would still be stuck on where we were with season one of doom patrol here with this cyborg. Now we're in season three and it's getting a lot more progressive with cyborg's character because what Doom Patrol is going through, what they've gone through with, with Candlemaker and Mr. Nobody, and now with the death of Niles Calder, Cyborg's whole world is, is, is progressing faster and faster than it would have in the Teen Titans show because at the end of the day, they have to adapt Cyborg and all his overpowered abilities with the Teen Titans, who are all supposed to be teenagers dealing with their powers to begin with. It's not like so much here they don't really worry about their superpowers yet in doom patrol they're more just fixated on the the inner trauma mm-hmm. so it's it's great stuff but good both good stuff on on both shows but it's just like cyborg is fitting in here so much more better it's it's working a lot better for uh the crew especially with this team being completely uh inept with technology it's great to have cyborg on board and that was the other thing talking about like the classic movie monster vibes of doom patrol where you have all of these members of doom patrol and then you have cyborg who is like kind of like a more the bionic man uh, yeah. frankenstein of of the modern age instead of robot man being the other version so it's it's pretty cool to see it like that but um curious to see where it goes into next week's episode of kind of staying away from stuff i like to see these things completely blind and seeing it for the first time so staying away from the trailers and stuff for next week's episode but yeah any uh any closing thoughts from you nate before we wrap up for today um yeah i'm trying to think of um some of the other stuff that we got to to see in in this series that uh we're gonna look forward more i mean particularly um one i can't wait to see more about the sisterhood of dada you and me are mm-hmm. big Dada fans, so that's going to be real fun. I think next week is Dada Patrol, so we should be strapping ourselves in. Um, is that true? Did you say that? Is that what you said as well? I don't know what the next episode is going to be. I honestly don't know what it's titled. I don't know. The only thing I know is that um, uh, Winslow is is also doing the episode mm-hmm. for uh, for the fifth episode. She's also directing that one as well. Um, well, my either way. only guess is I know from the trailers, like the, the 
trailer for the series itself or the season uh, mentions you know Brotherhood of Evil and the Sisterhood of Dada is mentioned by Madame Rouge. So I don't know if all of that's going to come up because I don't want to get too hyped for that. That's what I'm trying to say by I'm avoiding any more spoilers of, of what's going on. I feel like just a, a teaser is already enough spoiler, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, yeah, I guess it is already enough spoiler. I think the 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 thing that I kind of want to leave off on is that I am still I I am infatuated as to where Rita Farr's storyline is going. It is incredible to see like how you can just morph and twist puns intended there you go. Uh, her yeah. storyline to just like fit with the weirdness of of Doom Patrol. I mean thinking about what Rita Farr has been has just been, you know, elastic girl, just, you know, stretchy blob woman or what have you, just getting big or using, you know, elastic arms and Mr. Fantastic style and stuff. But it's now it's, it's, uh, there's some, there's some oddness, Twilight Zone stuff going on with Rita Farr that I am all for. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the biggest question mark of this season is Rita Farr and, and, Man, have we come to, to to love that character? So, with Rita Far in this season being like every every episode so far, she's been used in like an overarching way, but like they've really thinned out in each episode, like how much more story that they're telling for the character, especially now with this one being the first one that they start to talk about. Uh, Laura DeMille, Madame Rouge's character. Now it's like okay, what is really going on with Rita Farr and Madame Rouge? What is it that Niles Calder, uh, you know, requested that Madame Rouge be terminated from the Bureau of Oddities, I assume? I doubt she was working with the Bureau of Normalcy. So I'm curious to see what's going on there as well. Um, because we didn't get too much information. I thought there was gonna, they were going to throw too much too fast in this one. But I'm curious to see if they do it. Um, either in next week's episode or the episode after that once we've established the sisterhood of Dada and Shelly Byron. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and wrap up for today. If you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on DuelingGenre.com where you can find plenty of other shows, including Geek by Night and Franchiseography. You can also check out the Patreon where Nate and I guest on bonus episodes and they have tons and tons of bonus content you guys can check out. You can also find us on all social media at Radio Doom Patrol on Facebook and Twitter. So definitely check that out. Reach out to us. Let us know what you thought about today's episode, what you guys loved about it, any other episodes you guys are catching up on as well. And without further ado, DJ, please take it away. News reports of the undead has medical science baffled. The galactic military is nervous and the space cops are confused. So keep your boots tied tight, keep your gun close, and die with your mask on if you've got to, here on Doom Patrol Radio.